0: Welcome back to the Conspiracy Analytica podcast, my truth-seeking friends. Today's episode is going to be a good one. Who we have on today is none other than citizen journalist extraordinaire Brian Cates. He is a fantastic reporter who has been putting out content via social media for a few years now, and he has now taken to Substack to get his writing out to the world, as many independent journals have. Highly suggest subscribing to his newsletter there called Rise of the New Media. He's also on Telegram as well. In this discussion, I ask him about how he got into his journalism work and how he developed his discernment and reporting skills. Plus, we also discuss how the clickbait within the truth movement harms everybody. Then at the end of the conversation, he gives his thoughts on what we might expect next with the Durham investigation, the Jeffrey Epstein, Ghislaine Maxwell saga, and the election fraud data getting exposed to the public. And I don't know if you knew this, but Braden Cates is deaf. I actually had no idea before doing this podcast with him. Massive props to him for living life and doing his work despite it. Maybe that's why his reporting is so great. So without further ado, here is my discussion with Brian Cates. Brian Cates, welcome to the podcast. It's an honor to have you here. How are you doing this very first day of 2022?
1: Thank you for having me, Jordan. It's great to be here.
0: Awesome. So, to start things off, I want to get into a little bit of your background for any listeners out there who aren't familiar with you and your work. I myself am familiar with your work. I have been for a couple of years now, but I actually don't know too much about your background. So, this is partly for me, too. Uh, Do you have any kind of formal education in journalism? And I guess just generally, how did you get into writing your columns and into the work you're doing now?
1: Okay. Well, um, hmm. My background is uh, I have I have some formal education in theology and missions. I have a four-year bachelor's degree in theology and missions from a small unaccredited Bible college in Minnesota, and that's the extent of my uh, my formal education. Uh, I've been kind of a jack of all trades in my life. I've been an engraver. Uh, I was a uh, pastor, assistant pastor of a church for seven years in the Virgin Islands and uh, we had a a print shop. I run my own print shop for a number of years and was a a graphic design artist and a print shop here in Texas for about four or five years. Then I worked as an engraver um, in Corpus Christi for seven years, and then I I quit that to be a newspaper delivery guy. That's what I was doing uh, from about 2009, all the way to 2019, I was a newspaper delivery guy here in South Texas. I delivered the Corpus Christi Color Times in this uh, this area, Corpus Christi and uh, Portland, and, and this Pass area. I did that for about 12 years, and that's what I was doing when I started uh I started writing on on Twitter. I started doing like uh, those long threads, and people turned out people liked to read my threads, and um, and that snowballed into writing for the Epoch Times. I got an in, invitation from uh, from them to write a column after they read one of my threads, and it was supposed to be just a one one time thing, a guest column. But they liked it so much, they decided to make me a regular. That was back in uh, 2018. That, that happened i have no formal journalism training i'm self-taught you know people ask if you had any formal training i mean like you know because you're a column writing own politics you know they want to know if i've had you know new like, newest government in college or anything like that i mean absolutely no i have no training in journalism uh, government whatsoever
0: well that's why you don't write any fake news like the people who do have formal formal training do and yeah, I remember coming across your Twitter threads, I believe about 2000, maybe it was 18 or early 2019. I saw you writing, as you write a lot about the uh, Durham investigation and the whole Russia collusion hoax, and I was very impressed with your with your work, and I liked how you you kind of walked this line between having an open mind and, I guess, kind of writing on what they call conspiracy theories, but you did so in a very grounded way you didn't go off into speculation you kept it with facts and you kept grounded in reality so no yeah i very much have appreciated your work the past few years and then especially this year with how you have no problem in calling out the clickbait and calling out the fakers out there and you do so in, like i said a grounded way it's it's great so um i guess we can get now into kind of discussing those sort of things you said you've been writing for about four years now, we could say. We're in 2022. And uh, over the last four to five years, and I guess even before that, because of course you were delivering newspapers, so you were familiar with the, with the news, how has social media changed the landscape in both finding information, finding data, and then also reporting on it as well?
1: Well, the, I like to call them the legacy media, people call them the mainstream media, you know, Trump just called them fake news. They were able to continue playing gatekeepers over information because even though the internet was now, has been available for about a decade and a half, the research tools are out there to be utilized. Uh, most people were not aware of just how much Information they was at their fingertips on the internet. They did not know where to go find it, and so a lot of people were still just basically captive to the MSM gatekeepers and the media: New York Times, NBC News, CBS, uh, the, the the New Trade magazines, Newsweek, Times, They were just uh, they did not have the time, or the or they did not know where to go to do their own research into anything. And this is why even though the internet has been ready for this, it's been ready to be utilized by people who knew how to use it. Uh, I think about a decade and a half went by and, and nobody really knew that you could do the amount of extensive research that you can do now. You don't have to take their word for anything. You can, you can research for yourself, and you can find websites where, the, where uh, all kinds of information is cataloged. And uh, the thing is, though, it's time intensive. You have to take the time to do this, this type of research. Most people, you know, you are married, and had kids, and uh, you have, you're holding down two jobs. I mean, you do not have the time to, to sit and research like, like some people do. I think that's why for a decade and a half, even though the writing was on the wall, uh, that, that this, that the internet had grown to the point that the MSN can try to play gatekeeper, but there's so many people going around it now. It took a while for, I, I think, uh, enough people to catch up to catch up with the internet and what it can do. To begin forming what what I call the new media. That's why I named my my uh, my website my store the Rise of the New Media. This could have happened like back start, This could have started happening back in 2000, but there was a delay. You know, there was a delay of about 15 years. I think about 2015 is when it really took off. People started realizing this information is out there. We uh, we don't have to be captive to the mainstream media. We can get out there and research ourselves. And finally, enough people uh, were doing that at the time Trump won the 2016 election and the Spygate stuff started to come out. I think uh, seeing seeing what they tried to do there to an incoming presidential administration, that motivated a lot of people to to start taking the time to research and investigate themselves. And we had like a whole generation of uh, Internet researchers just seemed to spring up overnight about 2015, 2016. And I think that, that uh, the ground was ready for that to happen. And it's done nothing but grow in the last five, six years. We, have, we now have a very legitimate alternative new media that is that is able to go around the old media.
0: Yeah, I very much agree. That was about the same time frame end of 2016, beginning of 2017, that I decided to quit the jobs I was doing and get onto social media and, I guess, become a citizen journalist, as they call it. And you kind of, sounds like you kind of did the same thing, use social media uh, to get information out there. And then you got a following for yourself. And then that took you places like to the Epic Times and et cetera. Uh, Before we move on with this discussion, just a quick I'm curious. Uh, I want a lot of people out there to know as well. How have you been censored? What? How many platforms have censored you so far? And how are you dealing with all of
1: that? Well, I've been censored on Twitter. Uh, Twitter was after me for a while. I built my following up to uh, 270,000 followers at oh, the time they canceled my main account. I believe that was in uh, November, something like th- shortly after the uh, election theft. Uh, they they substitute my main account. I managed to make a, a alternative account and hang on there for a while. But then they, they banned that one too. At that point, I said, you know, the hell with it. But uh, since so that was the main one, I haven't really experienced um I didn't use YouTube that much. I'd only dabbled in streaming on YouTube. I got two strikes pretty quickly, but they never got a chance to ban me. I didn't use it often enough to get that third strike. So, uh, I did encounter some some censorship on YouTube, but mostly it was uh, it was Twitter where I was where I was encountering the censorship.
0: And then you've migrated to Telegram. Is that your home base now?
1: Yeah, Telegram's great. I haven't encountered any any type of uh, censorship or attempt to control the discourse there.
0: How do you like reporting on Telegram as opposed to Twitter? Because there's some differences in the platforms. Twitter is more of a News feed timeline kind of dynamic to it, where the user interface of Telegram is more sort of instant messaging oriented.
1: Telegram is great. What what Telegram does uh, far better than than uh, Twitter really did is that it it allows you to create the discussion panels, uh, discussing channels. You have like a main channel. And then you have the discussion channel that's attached to it. And quite frankly, I'm able to, I think, interact with the people who follow my channel far better on Telegram than I ever was on Twitter. And basically, I think uh, when it comes to networking and getting to know people and chatting with people, I just find Telegram far superior to Twitter in that regard. Uh, also, there didn't seem to be as many uh, Democrat trolls running around masquerading as uh, conservatives on Telegram. I encounter that every day on Twitter, you know, false flag accounts trying to, you know, um, I think of an example. Somebody come in and says, you know, it's just time, you know, it's really sad what's happening to the white race in this country. And they dropped that, that comment in the chat, you know, and you see what they're trying to start there. And I haven't really encountered any of that on Telegram, any of these uh, accounts trying to, you know, pretend to be something they're not.
0: Yeah, we're just dealing with more fake celebrities and Trump coin spam than uh, shill accounts like that. But, uh, you know, I think you, and maybe me too, I think we're two of the only people that actually interact in our uh, Telegram chats, because I see you respond to people sometimes in yours, and I do in mine, but... When it comes to a lot of uh, personalities, they don't seem to interact much in their chats on Telegram.
1: Yeah, I think that's a missed opportunity. Uh, I know some people just use Telegram. uh, They use all the different uh, social media sites. A lot of people that are on Telegram, the personalities are also on Gab, they're on Getter, they're on Parter. And uh, I'm on on all those platforms too. Uh, I'm mostly focusing on Telegram right now. Uh, but I think it's important to interact with with the people that follow you. I see so many people just hop on and they drop their latest podcast or whatever, and then they they hop off again. They don't interact with anybody. Uh, I end up I, I end up doing that myself on Gab and Getter and because I simply you know, I'm focusing on uh, Telegram right now, and I'm trying to start a local community. I simply don't have time to spread my attention between five or six different um, social media sites. So kind of as a a necessity, I have to limit what I do on some of these social media platforms. I just drop in there and drop a link to my latest column or whatever. I wish I had more time to interact on Gab and Parler, you know. But uh, I noticed that there are some people that, that uh, doesn't matter what platform it is, that's all they do. They never seem to really interact with anybody. And I think that's a huge missed opportunity because I think you need that feedback from people. I get a lot of feedback. Uh, not all of it is positive, you know, and sometimes, you know, that, that saying that um, um, to, to some of your best criticism comes from people who don't like you, you know, and you need to pay attention to it. Because, uh, because uh, they can see things that you don't see. And so, just having a bunch of people surround you tell you what you want to hear, I think it's a valuable, valuable tool to have that feedback. And I think a lot of conservative post analogies on social media because they don't interact with people with their accounts, they don't interact with them. They miss a lot, they don't get any feedback. They don't see they don't see problems coming. Uh, the fact that they may be myopic, they're just dealing with one subject, and nobody really is interested in that subject right now. I want to talk about something else, but they don't see that. So, so having feedback is important. Yeah,
0: and I find that you can learn a lot from people too. If you just send them a quick message or two, they reply back, and they might have some information or or data that you don't have, and they can send it over. And then just that. That quick interaction there can get you quite the uh, quite the data that could be I uh, I don't know Absolutely. big in a story or something like that. So, uh, moving on now, you know you're you're primarily on Telegram, which I myself am too. I do like Telegram as a platform. They don't censor, and it's it's easy to get out quick information on there. So, um, one reason I do like your reporting is that you are not scared to. Uh, call a spade a spade and then discuss the the clickbait, I guess we could just call it in the in the community. A lot of people don't like that. they think it's dividing. they think you're a bad guy. they say oh same team you know they kind of use in my opinion those are lame excuses that people use to shut down dissent but you're not scared to do it. So what do you think about the uh, clickbait? or that kind of misinformation, we could call it, that circulates around the truth movement?
1: Well, there's a lot of time and energy that gets wasted on things that uh, should not be happening. Like we, we saw an example of this. you brought up an example of this. Recently, somebody put out a fake uh, Maxwell-Budduch post that started instantly circulating when... Uh, Somebody put it up and I had people people showed it to me, asking me to comment on it. I get asked to comment on stuff that's obviously fake every day. It's like one of the biggest problems we face right now with, with the conservative movement or the MAGA movement on social media is that people have been bombarded with so many lies and with so much disinformation they reach the point where they feel like they can't tell what's real. They can't tell what's what's true and what's false. They're looking, and so instead of instead of developing their own minds, instead of developing their own research abilities, they're just looking for an authority figure to tell them what's true. Hey, I want to rule this by you. Hey, Brian, Is this true or not? You know, and I'm like JFK Jr. showing up with with Trump and a there in Dallas. You can't just look at that and see that's fake. You know, but uh I I sympathize with these people. I don't get nasty with them. I understand what the problem is. They've been bombarded with so much, so many lies and so, so much disinformation, they feel like they're cut off from reality. They can no longer tell what's real and what's not. And that's a big problem. And so when people are in that state, what angers me is I watch somebody take advantage of somebody who's like that. They're looking for the truth, they're searching for not true, what's true and what's false, and they're looking for an authority figure to tell them, okay, uh, I speak the truth, you can trust me, believe what I say, you know, and they solicit this type of following. And I think that's very dangerous because I think what I try to do, I want to get, I want to get people to where they think for themselves, they research for themselves, they come to know the truth for themselves. They don't go off looking for some authority figure to tell them what's what. They can trust themselves. They can trust their own instincts. You know, I think a lot of people that end up, they end up running to me with some story that's obviously fake. You know, they can already see there's something wrong with it. You know, but they're not trusting their instincts. They want an authority figure to tell them this isn't true. And, uh, and that's the problem. And, there, and there's people out there that take advantage of this. And uh, I think that's why it's important to call it out, call out this clickbait stuff.
0: Yeah, and you brought up a good point at the beginning of that in that uh, there's a lot of collective man-hours that are wasted on this sort of content. And... I think you and I, we both get uh, when people get the cognitive dissonance at us and they're upset for us calling out the clickbait, they say, oh, Brian or oh, Jordan, don't waste your time on that. Why are you wasting your time on that? Well, in the grand scheme of things, if we spend an hour or two calling out something that's fake, Mm -hmm. we can save hundreds or thousands of greater man hours of people out there wasting on it because then they'll see. Know they'll see it's fake, but then you also bring up another great point in that the goal is to create confidence and inspire people to critically think for themselves to be able to call out and see what's fake without having us to tell them. Granted, you know, we we can maybe help them along that path. Like for instance, there's,
1: there's nothing unusual about me. I don't have I don't think I have any special gift or anything that anybody else doesn't have. I just have time to sit and research stuff. And anybody can do what I do. And so I, I think this attitude gets fostered than when people out there on social media and you can't know, you can't know if this is true or not. You need to find somebody who can tell you if this is true or not. And it's, it's a huge problem because they, people become convinced they can't do this themselves and I think it's dangerous.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it it is. You know, before I started doing this, this citizen journalism, uh, I had a couple odd jobs as a personal trainer for one time. And the a saying in that industry was a good personal trainer will teach somebody how to not need a personal trainer. They might, you know, they'll educate somebody for a few months. And, and the goal is to not need one. So Thinking of that in terms of the work we do, I think what our goal is, is to teach people how to be critical thinkers in and of themselves and not need, like you said, that authority figure to tell them, hey, this is true, this is not, et cetera, et cetera. So my next question, in your the journalism that you do, uh, what are, I guess, generally, what are some different tactics or different... Uh, mindsets that you have when trying to research and then report the facts you do. how do you how do you stay I guess we could say a logical common sense conspiracy theorist?
1: Well a lot of people uh, they say they don't pay attention to fake news they all I don't pay attention if I don't watch Fox or watch CNN. but when I listen to them discussing a the current event like let's take the big current event that just ended, the Maxwell trial. Mm -hmm. I heard about 95% of what I heard about the Maxwell trial after it was incredibly bad takes. They don't use common sense. They're just getting their their instant hot takes from people who haven't done any research. They haven't looked into this. Uh, They have a pet narrative or a bias that they've adopted. And so everything that they say... He is either uh, defending is defending the pet narrative, or trying to sell it to other people. Like for instance, somebody adopted the idea, okay, the Maxwell child is a huge cover-up. Uh, She's so not going to be convicted, uh, so she'll get a slap on the rest. Okay, that's a bias. They're explaining a bias. They did not come to that conclusion. I knew right away because I've been writing about the Max or, uh, the Epstein sex ring case. Um, since Jeffrey Epstein was was arrested, I've written about five or six columns about it. I did the research, I did the digging, you know. A lot of people just have a knee jerk uh, hot take that they put out there, and now they're on the record, they of they have to def- defend it, but they didn't do any research. That hot take was based on the confirmation biases. And so even as the, um, the trial went on, and it became apparent, you know, if you followed the trial, that Maxwell's defense against the charges she was facing was at its foundation, incoherent. I thought I even used that, uh, that title of one of my columns, my recent columns on my Substack, stack, um, is, 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 is Glenn Maxwell's incoherent defense going to work. Now, the last column I did on it, I did a four point four point series, was I explained why her defense strategy completely collapsed. You know, oh, they were talking about all this brave talk about calling five witnesses and taking weeks to present their defense. But then they tried to, they asked the judge if they could have some of these key defense witnesses testify anonymously. And the judge shot that down really quick. And like, right after that happened, they announced they were going to arrest their case. And they left it and then uh, the jury started um, deliberating the next Monday. And uh, so a lot of people were saying, oh, uh, the is all just to show this is a big cover-up. They never really paid attention to what was happening at the trial. They didn't research anything that was going on at the trial, all the events that led up to the trial. But people, they don't use common sense. What they're, what they're often doing is, uh, instead of doing research and digging in there, looking at it critically and analytically, what they're doing is um, they're confirming their own biases and they're they're disguising this as new coverage. You know, but basically, I have a bias that against the deep states in control of everything. If Epstein got arrested, that's deep state. If Maxwell got arrested, that's deep state. If Maxwell is put on trial, that's deep state. Well, why would the deep state be there? And that's it's all based on the confirmation biases. And so uh, that's how you end up not understanding what's coming. That's why I always said, she not only getting convicted, that's another prediction I've been making, she will get at least. Forty years. She look at federal sentencing guidelines. She's just been convicted of five of these six charges. She's facing a maximum of 65 years in prison. Uh, People are still saying, "Oh, well, the judge will the judge will get get her off. The judge will put her uh, put down a really light sentence for her." I don't seem to understand how federal sentencing guidelines for The judge has. Not nearly as much discretion as some people are saying that she, that she does, Judge Allison Nathan. She does not have that much discretion. So because of the lack of a prior criminal record, uh, she, I think she's probably gonna get a little bit of one maybe 15 years off, the 65 maximum. That's why I say about 40, 40 to 45 years. But uh when people actually looked into this, they realize there is no slap on the wrist coming for Maxwell here. And uh, so, the, so I, this just needs to be pointed out. A lot of people, a lot of the coverage of prominent events that the, the MAGA base is following, or the conservative base is paying attention to, like the Maxwell trial, it's all fixated on just confirming the biases of the person that's speaking. They're not actually doing any research. They're not actually doing any digging. And they're not using any common sense. I think that's one reason why uh, I'm always going to have a job (laughs) because because 90% 90 of these guys are going to be out there getting it wrong. I'll be like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me me tell you what I think. I'm basing this on something more than my confirmation bias.
0: Yeah, the Ghislaine Maxwell trial is one example among many where it sounds like you're pointing out, I think, exactly what's happening in that, even it even within the so-called uh, truth movement or awakening movement, there's still quite an echo chamber there. There's still uh, the parroting, the parroting of narrative mm-hmm. people just want to be repeaters rather than researchers and come to their own conclusions. Um, they think they come to their own conclusions, but it's still other people's ideas that are planted into their heads. And then, the the confirmation bias that you discuss. So, um, my next question for you, you know, with granted, I do I do think some personalities that have a propensity to promote clickbait in our movement, they're they're good people, they're well intended, they're just kind of sloppy with their reporting. Although others, uh, they might have some sort of ulterior motives. Uh, Do you think there could be uh, rogue intelligence assets or corporate contractors having a hand in the clickbait that makes its way around the uh, sort of underground movement on social media?
1: Well, a lot of people tend to overthink this. They tend to look for a deep, deep uh, intelligence agency conspiracy. Okay, look. Uh, General Michael Flynn has been calling for uh, patriots across the country to get involved at the local level, local, lo- local action, national impact. You know, That's been a good mantra for some time. Well, one thing that you find out, I think I know people that started getting involved. I know some, some people in Florida, uh, some people in South Carolina. Tracy Beans, my good friend, who runs uh, Uncovered DC. Uh, ran for a GOP uh, chair of her county, Pauley County, South Carolina, and won. And the things she's been having to deal with, okay, uh, I'm aware of how people start getting involved at the local level. There's a whole strata out there of people who've been running things, and this is the GOP, this is not a Democrat. These are not these are not liberal progressive. These are you know, good, solid, conservative GOP people in the red states like Florida and uh, South mm-hmm. Carolina. Oh, this is going on in Texas also, technical solid red Texas. Okay, what they're discovering is there's a whole strata out there of people who are determined to protect what they've got. They have this system set up the way they like it. They don't want any newcomers coming in here and upsetting the applicant demanding changes. Okay, now we just had, The biggest, one of the biggest crimes ever committed in this country on November 3rd, 2020. In the history of our country, that was like the biggest crime ever. Entire presidential election was stolen right out there blatantly in the open. All right. But the problem we're having right now is American patriots, upset by that, get involved and they get active. And they start running, uh, they start running and winning uh, apathy at the county level. In these red states, they discovered that there was an awful lot of money, and there was an awful lot of uh, powerful people that love things the way they are, and they'll be damned if anybody's going to come in here and change it now. Okay, and so the two forces that are in in opposition. That election theft happened on November 3rd. It just did not happen because Democrats made that happen. It happened because Republican bureaucrats at the county level all over this country have made their peace with it. They made their peace with it. Mm -hmm. The compromise. They know this has been going on, and they didn't do shit about it. And now the Patriots that are getting in their face, the Patriots that are winning offices around them, demanding that this be dealt with, and they don't like that. So a lot of people say, "Well, this is the CIA, yeah." Well, these people infiltrating our groups from the CIA and the FBI, okay, yeah, oath keepers and stuff like that on January sixth, yes, absolutely, I believe that happened. But when you look at some of these infiltrators that have come into the MAGA, I think I call them infiltrators, and they're, they're trying to take down leaders of this movement like General Flint, okay? And they try to pop some central intelligence agency activity or something behind these people. No, it's a lot more simpler than that. It's it's uh, GOP people, a lot of, a lot of uh, conservative money, conservative incorporated money, behind these people. They like things the way they they are. They have made their peace with the with the private election systems in these states. They sat back and watched that November 3, 2020 election theft happen. With just the price of doing business, we had to give them that one. This is the way they think about this, you know. Um, and now they have all these these smelly, uncouth newcomers showing up. Demanding changes to this system that they view themselves as being part of, and they don't like it. And so, uh, while it's true that there is some there is some intelligence agency activity here, I'm not denying that happens. I think people need to realize there's a lot of old money, old GOP money, conservative, corporated money behind this also.
0: Yeah. There definitely could be an informant or an asset now and again, but I think what we're more dealing with and what could even be definitely a bigger problem is just complacent grifters, I guess we could call them. They're complacent with their position, whether in GOP politics or even conservative ink media, maybe mainstream conservative media. They're happy where they're at. They're making a lot of money. They don't like how these little guys on social media or these little guys who are getting into these local elections are starting to get almost more engagement and more grassroots support than these, for lack of a better term, legacy, legacy, conservative media and legacy, conservative politicians. So, (laughs) yeah, we definitely need to keep keep going and keep fighting here in 2022 uh, I mean, now that we're in 2022, what do you think is uh, going to happen? Let me get some Brian speculation on, I guess, the, what the shit show of 2021 is leading us into with this next year.
1: Okay, well, there's a lot of things that are, that are going to be happening this year. Uh, the Durham investigation still continues. As a matter of fact, we started to see some firings in the Durham case. Uh, they tried to swap out Igor Danchenko's the uh, original lawyer, with somebody who was in the same law firm that's representing some of the former Clinton campaign employees. Did that Durham sniff that out? Called witnesses, and they called witnesses. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a direct conflict of interest because you know there's discovery that goes on, and uh, in, in this case. And if they swap out the lawyer, that means Durham will be given that discovery to uh, Clinton campaign employees, whom he might not only be calling as witnesses in the Dan Checker case, he might be firing charges. again. I mean, I'd be unsealing indictments to get these people in the future. Now, I fully expect uh, Durham to be uh, unsealing a lot of indictments this year. Another thing that we can expect to happen is the movement from the uh, long unheard from a federal investigation into the Biden crime family being led by Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, uh, based on that, not just on the Hunter laptop, but people forget this. That, that investigation had been going on for over a year before Hunter Biden got around to leaving that laptop at the Apple repair store in Delaware. Um, and there's a federal grand jury that's been seated. It's been active. I think it was the uh, in June or July, uh, it was revealed that that federal grand jury White succeeded that was investigating the Biden family and its associates, its business associates. They were issuing as uh, search warrants and subpoenas. That appeared that was handed to political. And so that's ongoing. I expect developments in that case also. We will see. Uh, the SDNY, Southern District of New York Public Corruption Unit, unseal more indictments. uh, Because as I've been saying for going on two and a half years now, ever since Epstein was arrested, I was saying a very first column I wrote about the Epstein case. Epstein and Maxwell are not the main targets of the uh, public corruption units probe. Neither Epstein or Maxwell ever held public office. They were the beneficiaries of a conspiracy among public officials to let a sex, a child sex trafficking ring go back in 2006 and then 2009. Public officials made that happen. They conspired among themselves to cause that. That's always been the major scandal. Not just the fact that you know Jeffrey Epstein's running a child sex trafficking ring for like. Almost 25 years that we know of, okay. And then he got caught in 2006. and don't know go. he got caught again in 2009? And then they gave, they let him go. And that time they gave him that that sweetheart deal to slap on the wrist, house arrest. You know, basically he just had to had to work out of an office uh, yeah, for six months. Okay. The real scandals always been that public officials. Let him and all of his slimy... Child rapist firms go back in two thousand nine. It's always been the real scandal. The people who keep saying it's over, it's over, you know, they don't understand. There's a reason this investigation was run out of the public Correction unit and not the sex crimes unit. There's also a lot of talk because the uh, black books has been sealed and this evidence is going to be made public. That's being sold as a massive cover-up. Well, uh, if there was the ongoing federal criminal investigations into the people that engineered that cover-up in 2009 and into the people that were assisting Jeffrey Epstein and John Maxwell uh, and running their sex trafficking unit and the clients who were actually raping these kids and being recorded while they were doing that. Okay, all that's going on. They wouldn't make that public either, would they? Of course they wouldn't. Federal criminal investigations are not Publicized while they're ongoing. They do not announce the initiation of a federal criminal investigation. They do not announce, yeah, okay, yeah, we just started a federal criminal investigation at so and so. You know, they do not publicly announce that. They do not provide updates. Well, since we started that federal criminal investigation of uh, this person six months ago, here's where we're at. You know, if they don't give you an update. Everybody knows this. Uh, it's just the, the there's all kinds of clickbait guys in our own media that pretend like they don't know this. And so the, the, the talent, they're starting the cover-up thing now about the uh, Epstein the sex ring. So I'm saying they will see more indictments It probably won't take very long now that Maxwell is going to be sentenced. I have not set a sentencing date yet, but I think that will be coming shortly. Another development we'll see this year. We're going to see a lot of the institutions that have thus far refused to acknowledge that the 2020 election was stolen. They're going to be put in a position where they're going to have to acknowledge it. I think, uh, and also going to see a lot of election reform being implemented by well before November uh, 2022 gets here. In the next eleven months, we're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of changes in the way many of these states handle their elections. We just had a report came out today. Uh, Seth Pichel was boosting this on his Telegram. This report came out today from the Texas Attorney. Excuse me, not the, the Texas Secretary of State, Mr. Scott, released a report that showed 685,000 fraudulent votes were were made in Texas in November 2020. Okay, now the thing about every fraudulent vote is not only is uh, it, is it a crime, it disenfranchised is a real vote. That means 685,000 honest Texas voters had their votes nullified by a fraudulent vote. And that is a major scandal. And uh, the MSMs are moving and trying to to cover this up, but the cat's out of the bag. And yeah, this is not a state where, you know, when Texans, a lot of the honest Texans find out that, you know, we had we had over half a million votes passed in this state. Uh, there's going to be reforms one way or another. I expect a lot of changes this year. Another, another change we'll see is that the Omicron thing, the Omicron variant, which I believe is, was designed and released purposefully, has pretty much lowered the curtain on the pandemic where I seeing retreats across the board uh, from some from places that were going to act, going to advocate vaccine mandates are already retreating. Uh, you can't stop Omicron. It's unstoppable. Uh, and I think that's why Biden threw the Tower in this past week he just finally admitted yes, there's no federal solution to this damn thing. I'm tossing it back to you governors in the state. Get back with it. You know. And we'll see that playing out over the course of this year. We went from a year ago, but thought, yeah, I'm going to shut the fight down, you know, all that shit talking you did. You know, I'm thinking it won't take long for people to realize just uh, how the game has turned. A lot of the facts come out this year. I've been going over the book, the Will Anthony Fossey on my Telegram channel. I've been I've been showing, I mean, I, 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 thought, I, I thought I knew how bad an asshole this guy was. I got to tell you, I'm learning a lot from reading that book, Stuff I Didn't Know. I had no idea. He actually has a personal stake. He makes money off of these vaccines, personally, he makes money off the vaccines and drugs. He's supposed to be overseeing and regulating from the 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 industry. He's in bed with them. He's making money with them. Um, all kinds of stuff I've been finding out. This stuff is now out there. It's going around, circulating. We've had the admission that there was data function research going on at the Wuhan lab. After they spent a year saying like anybody that said that was crazy and was slandering these, uh, these violent scientists who were working to contain this pandemic. Uh, pretty much proven it came out of the lab in Wuhan. Uh, we've had a top Harvard scientist. who was hanging out in the Wuhan area Nine months out of the year for the past decade, being paid millions of dollars under the table by the CCP, he was just uh, successfully convicted in Boston. I think there'll be more develop the de- developments than that story, the Wuhan lab story. So uh, I think I pretty much touched on everything there oh, yeah, they're so far. So there, there there's going to be a a busy year. There'll be a lot of stuff happening, and of course we have. 35, I okay, so far, it's up to, I think, 24, 25. I believe we might see as many as 35 to 40 Democrats in the House suddenly announced they're retiring to spend more time with their families. We only need to pick up about five or six seats there, I think, to get control on the House back. So so there's a lot of shifting. There's a lot of changing going on. I see a lot of these clickbait guys out there completely ignoring how the ground is shifting they are constantly focusing on doom and gloom. The are constantly focusing on, you know, the only way this election, 2020 election, is fixed is if Donald Trump is back in the White House. That's November 2022, get there on Donald Trump. Okay, Is Donald Trump back in the White House? No, then don't vote. They're going to tell MAGA not to vote. The truth movement, that kind of, don't vote. You vote is wasted. The system is rigged. So I think we'll see how I push back against that this year.
0: I appreciate that rundown. You went through a whole lot of what we're expecting there in 2022. I mean, it's anyone's guess who's Durham, who Durham has next in his crosshairs could be a lot of people going down very soon for that. The Epstein saga, uh, no doubt they're, They've got more people in their sights. I mean, that's why Les Wexner is stepping down from his positions, and I think a lot of people forget that Jean Luc Brunel was arrested a year ago. So we still have oh, a I lot of
1: something. Go January 6th. Well, I'll find out more about the FBI informants they put in there. The whole, the whole Whitmer case is falling apart. The January 6th case is falling apart. Uh, that's another big development. Yeah, sorry for interrupting me. Yeah, that's a big one.
0: Yeah, we got the one-year anniversary of that coming in five days. So we'll see how much uh, virtue signaling the mainstream media does with that. And we'll see what Trump says as well, because he has his uh, his press conference that's happening on the 6th. So, oh, and then Trump a week after that about, he'll be in Arizona as well. He'll be down there doing a rally in Arizona. So no doubt, I mean, 2022, we're going to have, my gosh, Durham. i
1: wondered if Trump knows something's going to happen. Yeah, the time he does that rally in Arizona. maybe he does.
0: Yeah, maybe he does. But no doubt, we're gonna. I think 2022 is gonna gonna be a lot of vindication. <laughs> you know, it's gonna. We we embraced a lot of suck. We dealt with a lot of crap in 2020 yeah. and especially 2021. So I think 2022 will bring a lot of uh, much needed wins, much needed inspiration for a lot of us. Durham, Epstein, election fraud, January sixth, scam demick. All of that plus more. So I appreciate that rundown, Brian. Um, and I guess to finish up here, I just want to ask if you have any last words for people out there, words of inspiration, and also where can people go to find uh, your content, your writings? I know you have a sub stack. Uh, I think there's a, a shirt store where you have some merch. What, what do you want to plug here at the end?
1: Okay. Well, before I get to that, I just want to say, say this to everybody. Okay. Donald Trump was the best president we ever had. He successfully navigated two, not just one, but two Black Swan events that were supposed to turn this country into a basket case. It would been much easier for the great reset crowd coming here and make all the changes they wanted to to make if our economy had gone right into the toilet and stayed there, okay? So Trump not only successfully navigated the COVID virus release, he navigated the economic shutdown. That was supposed to reduce our economy in this country to a smoking trader in the ground, all right? And he avoided that. Look at how much easier it would be for a lot of these total out there to implement their... Uh, agenda of control because if the U.S. economy collapses like they wanted it to, like they expected it to, that has uh, a ripple effect all over the world and did not happen. It did not happen and it's not going to happen while well, these people are running around peddling this Nistera bullshit, okay? They expect our economy to be replaced or whatever, okay? That's not going to happen. Trump successfully navigated all of this. So we've gone through a dark time. I think we've gone through the valley. We're we're climbing to the mountaintop now. We've started to climb. And there's a lot to look forward to in 2022. I mean, there was a way they expected this thing to go, that they planned for this thing to go. And Trump completely made took their uh, agenda off the rails. Uh, uh, whatever the Great Reset Plan looked like, whatever it looked like back in 2020, I guarantee you they did not envision having to roll out four boosters in a year after, after they brought in their vaccine. They did not plan on any of these variants showing up. They, they did not plan for any of this. They happened to tell people to get four boosters in a year. No, There's no way they planned for that. It got away from them. And uh, the, we now have over a billion, billions of people in, in, across the world now that were not awakened on January first, 2020. They're awake and they can see what's going on on January first, 2021. And they're going to watch this, the effect that all of this, the great awakening has had. And, and destroying the Great Reset in 2022.
0: Awesome. And yeah, what? Uh, where can people go to find your Substack and uh, your other okay, accounts? My
1: Substack is called uh, the Rise of the New Media Substack. Let me let me go to my... Desk.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll make yeah. sure it's... Okay,
1: uh, after it's called, called briancates.substack.com. And the Teespring store that I have, where you can find all kinds of good stuff. Uh, I just made a new one, a new t shirt in that store called uh, "You Are Pui Live Accordingly. That's a rise of the new media at uh, spring.com. So, uh, Substack and the Teespring store. And my Telegram account, if you can find me on Telegram. Uh, just look for. Um, the draw and strike channel that's that's that draw and strike channel on telegram and come hang out and I actually talk to my I actually talk to people in my discussion group so maybe we can we can discuss about stuff that we've talked about here today
0: awesome I'll make sure to link your uh, sub stack and your telegram uh, down below This video or this podcast or wherever this is uh, posted to. And I appreciate you for hanging out with me here for the last hour and giving all of that advice. I think a lot of people out there would definitely like this podcast. And I hope those who haven't heard of you or heard of your work before will definitely go follow you because there's a lot of you bring a lot of fantastic reporting to the table you're not afraid to open your mind and and report on what the mainstream media tries to shut us down for talking about but you also do it with common sense too you you don't have time for the crazy clickbait claims out there which i find uh i find valuable so thank you Brian
1: yeah i want to say you do important work too you're not bad yourself. I mean, there's a there's a definite need in this movement right now uh, to call out people who are taking advantage uh, of, of people who are who are looking for the truth. They're looking for reality. They feel like they're cut off. Uh, and, you know, I think like you do. I get angry when I see people out there. They take advantage uh, of people who are in that state. Try to sell them bullshit. Okay, we need people that call that out.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that, Brian. Because I I had been there before. I had been one of the people who got taken advantage of by those kind of disinfo, misinfo, grifter, clickbaiter people uh, before I was ever on social media myself. Back when I was a uh, consuming content more so, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, I believed crazy crap. I gave money to some of these some of these people and. No. Because I got taken advantage of, and then I, uh, over time, I was able to see clearly what was going on. Now I kind of feel a responsibility to help others not get taken advantage of and not waste their time. So,
1: oh, I, I have a good story about that too. If you tell it briefly, I, I actually fell under the sway of a guy who runs a website. Mm-hmm. This and this was not a long time ago either. This is this was just uh, just last July. I finally woke up and realized this guy was full of shit. And I've been helping him promote his website. I've been helping him, uh, you know, promote himself. And then, uh, and uh, the first, the big wake-up call I got was when he was he was uh, talking about the, the mandatory vaccinations they were getting ready to, to to try to implement in France. He was all for that, and uh, that, that kind of you know shook me out of my uh, coma. I guess you could say. I ended up leaving his website shortly after that. Uh, I, I wish I could say this was a long time ago. Uh, actually, I myself so for a drifter like that, somebody like that. So it can happen to anybody. You just end up trusting somebody. And then before you know it, uh, you, know, you didn't do your due diligence. And you can end up regretting that later.
0: Yep, you definitely can. So, no, yeah, there's, I think some shysters in this movement that need to get called out and uh the people who do the the valuable work the resourceful work they need to be supported and promoted by whatever means so thank you brian thank you for spending some time with me here
1: thank you very much join we do this again sometime i'll come back whenever you want it was a pleasure talking to you
0: awesome thank you we'll do this again soon